This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, halflings. It's me again. Are you ready for the only actual play podcast where you'll find encounters inspired by Biker Boys, Burt Reynolds movies, and The Princess Bride in the same show? And one of those features me, but I won't tell you which one, so you'll have to listen to the show to find out? Gimme the Loot is a comedic D&D 5e actual play podcast featuring a diverse cast whose experience levels range from first-time players to 1e veterans. Join the five dysfunctional miscreants as they roam the countryside in their Winnemajo, searching for a cure for the curse which binds them together, all the while attempting to avoid the machinations of the god of lawyers, the four skeins, Kilinocchio, and an archmage student loan officer. Usually lighthearted, often satirical, and unabashedly political, GMDL is set in a homebrew setting that puts a contemporary fantasy spin on our world and sidesteps common fantasy tropes, which leaves more room for them to lazily lean on other pop culture tropes. The Fellowship This Ain't, folks. The show features Todd the Tiefling, a narcissistic urban bounty hunter man-child who emerged from the child fighting pits to pursue his dream job in catering. Moyle Mossberg, a former dragonborn who's dealing with the existential crisis of having absorbed his deity and a concaked derriere, which I can attest to. It is concaked. Eldrin Theneros, or Theneros, I'm actually, actually literally never heard him say his last name, weirdly. An elven ranger with a penchant for owl murder, whose backstory is so grim, he killed off two sets of parents to become an example of the rare double orphan. Fate of Newark, a community college elven wizard with delusions of grandeur, a taste for windows, and a connoisseur of tainted flamingo meat. <laughs> Courtesy of yours truly. And Babatunde Agu, a tabaxi barbarian that would be normal except for the whole thing with the ghosts and MD2020. They just launched their second major character arc slash quest as their second season, so now is a great time to jump on with the current episodes. Go to gmdlcast.com slash listen to check them out on all the major podcast platforms and patreon.com slash gmdlcast to check out their bonus content. And again, I would like to reiterate, I have been on the show multiple times technically i've done a lot of things with these guys they're great uh they are the bomb.com go check them out now stay hungry halflings for quality podcasts like gimme the loot hello halflings this is halflings dispatch here to tell you that when the chips are down and it looks like there's no hope Jeremy Cobb presses the Halfling hotline and assembles the Halfling Avengers. The 3BH Avengers coming soon to a podcast near you. Sliding down the side of a skyscraper as a gigantic space squid attacks New York. On her shield, it's... 
It is I, Joan Miller, also known as Captain Marvelka. Yes, and riding in on the back of a flying rhinoceros, it's... <laughs> it is I, uh, Navar, also known as Black Panther. And joining them both, wearing his eye patch that he doesn't actually need, but it looks cool, is none other than me. That's right, me. It's Jeremy. Jeremy Cobb. Pronouns he, him. But Kayla Bella calls me... Cobster-esque, in light of the new Paradox Perfect, which tells you just how many nicknames we have. Because that Paradox Perfect got released in January. Mm. And then I try to shoot Kevin Costner. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. Full Prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black. It does have an alligator with a pistol in it, though. And I love it. <laughs> we're about to get into something real big now. Also, my pronouns are she, her, hers, for the record. Yeah. And mine are he, him as well. Yes. Uh, and we are here once again to talk to you about a brand new, exciting release from Wizards. There have been so many recently. So many. Uh, this was one that we actually were expecting. It mm-hmm. was Spelljammer. That's right. It's out, everybody. Spelljammer ah! is confirmed. Spells. Spells. Spelljamming. Yeah. Hamsters in Yay. space. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Humans I guess aren't real. Let's kick things <laughs> off uh, by asking what what do you all think of the new Spelljammer release? What, what is your overall impression? Mm-hmm. It looks cool and fun, and yeah. I. It's weird because, okay, so I've also, if you've been chit-chatting with me in the Discord at all, you know that I've been binging Dimension 20 because I'm a weird person who likes to just do all of one thing and then go on and do all of the next thing. So when I finish Dimension 20, I'm going to do Critical Role. But um, I think it's called debt stacking. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Never mind. I don't know. That went right over my head. Um, Like a Hadozi on the wing. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that I think only makes sense in, if you're if you grew up possibly in specific Christian circles where there's these money management people who will pop in and be like, when you're trying to get out of debt, the best way to do it is to take all of your debts, pay off one entirely first, and then move down the stack. Uh, mm. And so what you're describing is like, oh, I have a backlog of shows I have to watch, so I'm just going to stack them up. I'm going to watch all of this one, then all of that one, then all of that one. I have heard that. And you're supposed to start with the smallest debt, and you're supposed to pay the minimum on everything else, and then pay them as much as you can on the smallest one, and then keep going. And yeah. the reason for that is because interest. But, mm. although I guess you could argue that there is interest in the sense that there is still new stuff being produced, and exactly. I'm never going to catch up to all of it, so... There's a new episode every week, baby. <sighs> it's it's a Sisyphean task, really. Really, it is. Um, but anyways, the whole point of bringing up Dimension 20 was that, uh, right now I'm on Spelljammer, or not, this is Spelljammer, <laughs> goddammit, um, <laughs> I'm on Starstruck Odyssey, and I am seeing how this stuff would help somebody to run a similar campaign to Starstruck, I don't remember what mechanics they used for it ahead of, for the Star actual- Star Wars 5, Star Wars 5e, yeah. 
That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Shout like Tegan, I think who, she, Tegan Jenkins, whom we've had on the show. Oh, cool, Star cool, Wars cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, my favorite part so far is definitely the ships. Like I looked at, uh, was kind of reading through it before we started recording, and um, the I'm trying to pull it up right now, but like I was. So we've talked about how we've been somewhat disappointed with the lack of diversity, not in terms of, like, are you checking off these boxes of these ethnic groups, but in terms of, like, we are afraid to say something wrong, so we're going to say nothing at all. Um, and this... The diff- the number of different ships that they gave as examples and the different designs and styles of them is something I would like to see in other sort of like that approach to design is something I would like to see them incorporate on other things like races for example or backgrounds or whatever I mean maybe not backgrounds because I feel like there are a lot of backgrounds actually and I'm just not as familiar with the whole corpus of 5e as I am with 3.5 but um, like, I love that there's, like, a dragonfly ship, there's, like, the Nautilus ship that gets sailed by the Mind Flayers, I like, the different spell jamming helms look cool, I could really have some fun imagining what one would look like for a custom ship, like... Yeah, the, a lot of these are super cool. Yeah, like, uh, the... I like the living ship a lot. I yeah! Like the, the I definitely want to fly on one of those. Uh, a lot of really interesting designs. Uh, I'm actually about to... I don't know when it's getting released, but I'm, we're in the middle of recording a David Bowie-themed Spelljammer miniseries. Not, not Three Black Halflings. Uh, this, is, this is Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton from, I think, T4C Studios. Uh, you mean Alexander and... Hamilton? You're you resurrected Alexander Hamilton and you're playing <laughs> D and D. No, him? it's actually Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> but he just didn't. Oh. It's his stage name. <laughs> yeah. Lin Manuel Miranda is absolutely a D and D nerd. I don't know that for a fact, but I do. Like he is. I gotta a, believe uh, he is. He is a he is an Adventure Zone nerd. He played Taco live one time at a live <laughs> show that they did. So he wow, we, cool. and he, there are multiple references to the Adventure Zone in Hamilton. Uh, or mm-hmm. at least, more accurately, there are multiple references to the McElroys in Hamilton. That's a whole other can, can of worms. Um, <laughs> yeah, <I think, laughs> that's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, we. Uh, that's another episode. Um, so we, <laughs> yeah, I think this looks fun. <clears throat> I mean, I think like the biggest thing that, from what I understood, obviously, like the old Spelljammer had a lot of problems, but it also had a lot of camp, and I think that this has a lot of that too. Where it's just like, jump on a ship that makes no logical sense that you could fly around in it but you can and this is how it works and uh yeah and it just seems fun i think it's cool to like the variation of monsters and and what this can do for a campaign to where like you could even take a ongoing campaign and be like all right we're gonna go fly through the astral sea to achieve this Mm -hmm. objective and now you have all these things that you can do with it um i think that is pretty cool yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's it seems it seems like it would just be fun to play um, one shots, long yeah. campaigns, whatever. Like it just seems like it'd be fun to figure out what kind of ship you want and design that. And because um, mm-hmm. I always love like having 
the players have like a headquarters, you know what I mean? Like a place that they can call home Mm -hmm. and like having a ship that you can call home, but also take with you wherever you go. I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the big appeals to science fiction um, storytelling. So also mechanically, it's super clutch. Like we had an airship in our main quest 3.5 campaign and having a fixed place that the wizard was familiar with so that we could always teleport back to it. If shit hit the fan was clutch. (laughs) And since it's fairly close to us, it's like, it's never out of range for us to teleport back to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I like it. I, I haven't looked at the specific mechanics for, like, ship-to-ship combat in detail yet, but I do completely agree the ideas behind it are really cool. Mm-hmm. I think the the wildness of some of these ship designs is fantastic, uh, and I think making, leaning into the whole, like, nautical aspect of space travel, I think was a wise move. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, even the word astronaut literally means star sailor. So yeah. like it's that that has always kind of been there, but it's really fun to be like, yeah, it's literally a ship, and there's pirates and all sorts of wildness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also agree with you, Navar, that the campness of the setting is fun. Purse, I enjoy, I enjoy camp. My favorite band's Queen. Uh, you don't get too much <laughs> campier than that in terms of like big mainstream bands. Um, the I think that uh, that maybe puts me out of step with some of the D&D fans because I've heard that some people have complained about the tone of this expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have said that it feels way too, like, LOL random because there's, like, space hamsters and space <laughs> yeah. clowns and flying pigs alongside, like, solar and lunar, lunar dragons and mm-hmm. surlons, which are more typical D&D monsters. And then you have, like, fractines, which are just completely out there, uh, which mm-hmm. aren't in this particular release, but they were rele- they're part of the spell jammer setting they were released as part of the monstrous compendium uh, okay uh, well those guys can let us enjoy spell jammer <laughs> and then they can wait for Dragonlance to come out because Dragonlance looks like it's going to be some serious grim dark type fun ass stuff and it's okay to have both uh i can see where they're coming from but yeah it doesn't bother me i i think it's fun and also i pretty much I, I think i've established on the show i mostly just strip this stuff for parts anyway so like <laughs> yeah. the tone of it is like Okay, great. Yeah, have fun with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll just take this idea. And Jeremy will just set stick the tone. it into something. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Your a really good quote point, unquote, though. Because friendly neighborhood uh, GM. <laughs> <laughs> Look, depends I on recently... who you are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I recently ran a private game for some folks. Uh, shout out to John and crew. Yo. Uh, and they concluded that I was, in fact, friendly <laughs> and neighborhood. So <laughs> I'll. I'll take that. Uh, maybe at least in private games, I uh, I retain the title. I mean, if you want to be in the neighborhood of Ohio, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't like Ohio, but there's, there's whole, there's the <laughs> ongoing Michigan. With you. Yeah, there's the ongoing Michigan uh, Michigan hatred. Um, it's not yeah, hatred the, as much as like a sibling rivalry. Mm, mm. I'm glad that it manifests that way in this context because growing up. There mm. seems to be some genuine malice on the oh, parts no, there of, like, is. of like Ohio State fans uh, against Michigan fans. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, we don't have to go into all of that. <laughs> and there was the whole war. We did fight a war, technically. Yes, but, no but it was a in. very, it was a very gentle war. Yeah, it's the kind of war we'd like to see more of. 
<laughs> no one actually dies. If we have to see wars, I suppose. Yes, that's, yeah, it's, uh, th- those would be the conditions. Uh, but yes, essentially, let's, there's a lot to cover in this, to the extent that we're just not going to be able to go into everything in detail, but let's, let's at least jump in. Um, I think one of the first things it's important to note is the in the in the first volume because there are actually three books that were released together. In the first one, they actually introduce what the idea they introduce the idea of the astral plane and wild space, which I guess the idea is that wild space is the immediate space. It's like a galaxy almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the astral sea is sort of like the deep space in between all of the different wild space pockets. Uh, it's def- wild space is described as being uh, an overlap, like a place where the terrestrial worlds and the astral plane overlap. Uh, so you, when you, if you are in wild space, you are technically in both whatever plane you were in as well as the astral plane at the same time. Uh, which is kind of interesting. And mm. they've, yeah, there's all these like rules associated with all of that. But I thought that was an interesting way of handling a planar system as opposed to like a planetary system that yeah. D&D has been using for all this time. Yeah. <clears throat> you definitely have to like adjust your, your thinking and how you consider space. Because it's like, yeah, you go out in space in your ship and then your ship takes its own little atmosphere with it. And you're just out there floating around. Mm-hmm. And you can do that mm-hmm. too for up to a minute, and it's like, yeah, but space is a vacuum, and it's cold, and it's like, nope, you got to ignore all that. Everything you know about space um, well, is not real here because this is the astral sea, and it's not really space, but it's kind right. of space, but it's yeah. not space. <laughs> it's like while you're in the wild space, all the normal things about the physics of space travel are true, and then as soon as you cross from the wild space into the astral sea, it's just like. This is a world between worlds. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like the wood between the worlds in um, whatchamacallit, The Magician's Nephew, if you've ever read that. Okay, well, it wasn't the first one published, but canonically, it's the first Narnia book. Oh. Uh, It happens before The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and basically there's like a hub world that the characters go to that has all of these pools that they can jump into, and each pool takes them to a different world. But Mm. there's Mm. the 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 hub world also like has like you could just hang out there. It's uh, so it's kind of the same thing. They steal that. They steal that in uh, the Magicians. Yeah, that's good. Magicians is really good. It reminds me of there's a Tamara Pierce series the immortals quartet where the big spoilers for a book that's been out for decades um but uh in the third book they find out that the main character is actually a demigod and her father is the god Warren of the hunt and he there's like a big disaster and because it's midsummer he's able to pull her and her companion into the realms of the immortals and you find out that there's this war going on between the gods and the chaos. The goddess of chaos is trying to destroy her siblings, which are the other gods. And there's these chaos vents that if a mortal sees one, they kind of get like hypnotized by it. And if they get dragged into the chaos, like the chaos vent is this like oily liquid that will come up and like come to meet them almost. But they also start being drawn towards it and if you get pulled 
into like if you make contact with it you get pulled into the realm of chaos it's it's really cool it's cool Mm. world um and then like dreaming is the god of dreams has always has one foot in the divine realms and one foot in the chaos realms and so it kind of fits with the yeah like the overlap but i do have Mm -hmm. a very important question can you encounter cosmic horrors in this space because you can in wild space uh and i'm using that as an attempt to pivot into like an attempt to segue into a discussion of the bestiary uh i don't know if that worked joe is showing me joe is showing me a face right now c plus oh brutal brutal very sorry <laughs> i mean you already set the standard with the a plus one from a few episodes back so if I remember what it was, then uh, if I remembered what that transition was, then my chest would swell with pride. But I have to imagine. <laughs> I don't remember her either, but I remember that I gave you an A plus. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you. Uh, but yeah, I was going to mention that um, I thought. Uh, well, Navar, I, did you actually before we go to the beast here? Did you read more about like the ship to ship combat? Because I haven't really looked at that yet. Yeah, I did. So. Um, Basically, so here's a funny thing or an interesting thing. Apparently, in the old Spelljammer, you used to have to use spell slots um, in order to spell jam. And now, as long as you're a spell caster and you sit in the seat and you attune to it, which apparently only takes an action, you can just move the ship around. Um, so on your turn, you can like decide like how far you want to move, and the ships have a shit ton of range. Um, and if you want to like get closer to the other ships or stay away, and then they they have um, their own depending on your inventory or whatever, like cannons and stuff that you can do. You can do ship to ship combat boarding. Um, they also have mechanics for you to ram another ship. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's uh, it seems pretty we fun. Like talk it about seems the like gravity planes. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that, Joan? Or yeah. Navar? Whoever. Go ahead, yeah. Well, just to build Back off thoughts. of what Navar was saying is that the ships each have, instead of having, like, centralized gravity that works in terms of a sphere, they have gravity planes that run horizontally or laterally through the center of the ship, depending on the design of the ship. And I noticed that the Dragonfly one has a deck that is below the gravity plane so it's when you're on that deck you're technically upside down <laughs> according to people on the deck above you so it's it's really a kind of a fun it makes literally no sense in terms of physics but it's a really fun cool mechanic and it also makes a point of saying like if you drop something off the side and it crosses the gravitational plane it just keeps bouncing back and forth yeah. Like it falls it kinda like if you've seen Stranger Things season <laughs> four, um there's they find that. that uh vent to the the upside down and they're able to climb up the rope and then fall down it. Um mm-hmm. that that's what I imagine it would be like. It would just be like if you tossed something in there and it just kept flipping yeah. back and forth. You Except can't see it right now, but I'm making an arm bit. movement to illustrate <laughs> this. 
Yeah. I yeah. mean, well, that that also introduces, like, a fun aspect of, like, oh, something's happening to the bottom of the ship. You just jump over the side and, like, pull yourself, to, uh, uh, like, up the side of the bottom of the ship. And then you're standing yeah. on the bottom, like, trying to fix it. Or even the idea of, like, oh, we're going to try and board these people's ship. So we come in underneath them, jump up, on like, into their on mm, air envelope, mm-hmm. onto the underside of their ship, and start and try to sneak in that way. That's also pretty cool. I was just going to say, if you really want to mess with your DM, then jump off the side of the ship, oscillate, and just fight while you're oscillating. And then let you yeah. try, to, try to figure out how to, how to account for where you are. Mm-hmm. That's got to impose some kind of disadvantage. If you're just constantly falling for back real. and forth. It does say that you can get space sickness. Yeah, so, true. I don't know. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, it has rules for if you're gravitational planes intersect when you're crashing mm. into each other and what happens so i think that's cool too yeah mm-hmm. which is like oddly not based on the size but yeah yeah i was gonna say it feels like, it feels like a very fairly robust system i haven't gotten to use it obviously so i don't know how it plays mm-hmm. but yeah. in theory it seems like they thought of it seems like it's fairly well thought out yeah yeah i do th- yeah i i i do like that they've changed it from using spell slots to to just you know being the like the main person because if you're on if you're the one that's steering the ship that also means you're out of combat uh but at least you're not like you could get up and uh and uh and use spells if you need to um and they talk about like it's kind of clunky if you do it but you can technically use the rudder and the and the steering wheel or whatever to like steer the ship it just doesn't work as well as spell jamming does Mm -hmm. um and you you have. I would assume you would have to na- um, manually avoid obstacles, whereas when you're mm-hmm. spell jamming, it happens automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if, yeah. If you when you go to like the hyperspeed, uh, it just you kind of just your ship moves out of the way of of objects in space on its own. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought that was a would, fun feature as yeah. well because it mm-hmm. it circumvents all of the like, oh no, we miscalculated and went directly to mm-hmm. an asteroid asteroid field or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's too pull like it's, one of your favorite movie moves in like the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I I did like that. That was a pretty cool moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> skipping over that, so we're <laughs> we, what I what I think is is um, is good that they did like to that end is that where three uh, third edition three point five and the older editions where Spelljammer was a thing like. It was much more technically uh, built around like using strategy and and trying to like know exactly what you're doing, and that's where sp- using spell slots would. It's like this is the sacrifice you make, but also it's hard mode. And five E has always been like, what's the easiest way to let people have fun? Um, mm. And so I think taking that out of it was a was a good decision on D and D's part, which is actually like something on a broader level that I think folks who have only gotten into the D&D since 5e maybe don't see as much but like that's why I feel like it's useful to have both 3.5 and 5 because I really like 3.5 for like if you've been role playing for a really long time and you want to do something on nightmare mode and you want to like get down into the nitty gritty mechanics of how every single little detail works and hyper customize everything 3.5 is great for that but if you want to get something that's plug and play and let's go let's 
have fun and let's not have to think too hard about how we're going to be constructing these characters or what the mechanics do. 5e is great for that, which is like, I think when I talk about, have talked about it online in the past, people don't understand why I would want to still play 3.5 sometimes or like why I would want to see people do a 3.5 actual play. Mm. But like, that's why, in my opinion, is because they do different things well. Yeah. And it's a subtle difference, but like, yeah, eh, just a random no, thought. I totally, I totally agree. I think uh, I, lo- I love heavy mechanics, so um, I, I'm right there with you. I, just, I do think that <clears throat> if they had made this specific thing a heavy mechanic in 5th edition, it would have been a mistake, though. The dichotomy that you're discussing actually reminds me of, like, speaking of Spelljammer being kind of a sci-fi, really more of a space fantasy-style setting, it reminds me of the distinction between hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi, wherein, like, hard sci-fi is actually trying to be like, okay, this is how it all works, this is how everything ties together, we're going to go deep into the mechanics of how all of this functions, Uh, whereas soft sci-fi is like, yeah, I mean, the ship flies, it's cool, there's explosions... Uh, there's science. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, there's science. Yeah. It's it's sort of the dichotomy between, like, Star Trek and Star Wars, where, mm-hmm. like, there are, like, canonically detailed maps of how the Enterprise functions. And, like, I remember watching a video in which a person literally charted how, in an episode of uh, The Next Generation, when two characters got into an elevator and went from one part of the ship to another, you could see on the show, based on the lighting, where they were traveling in the ship. Uh, which you just flat out cannot do in yeah. Star Wars. Oh, absolutely uh, not. <laughs> but it's it's kind of the difference between like 3.5, which is a lot crunchier, and like let's break down the minutia and details of how we can mm-hmm. customize. And there's a lot of cool opportunities there. There's nothing wrong with like, look, I love Star Trek. The little bit of Star Trek that I've seen, I thought was really, really good and really interesting. Uh, but it is interesting also to see that I think the light stuff, the soft stuff tends to get bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, like more popular just because it's more accessible. Yeah. Uh, but I agree that there's definitely a place for both. And I think it would be yeah. interesting to see someone play 3.5 because my my initial trepidation, having never played it myself, is I would think that it's like uh, in, in an actual play setting that it, the pacing might be a bit slower than 5e. If you're if the crunch might involve a lot more numbers and uh, and things like that. I haven't played it, so I don't know. That would just be First of all, I would absolutely love to DM some 3.5 for some folks if that's something y'all are interested in. Second of all, it is it requires a lot more prep, for sure. Um, and it helps to build custom character sheets because that way when you have like cuz your attack can be like a plus 12 and it can come from like three or four different sources like one is your base attack bonus one is your you know your weapon you might get a bonus from a feat or two depending on what class you're playing etc etc and so like there have definitely been times especially when you're getting all the way up into like level 16 17 18 that i look at that number and i'm like i have no idea whether this number is correct or not because i don't remember what the equation was that i used to get this number but if you know from the beginning that that's an issue that you're going to have to deal with, because now what I'll do is I will write down the equation on my character sheet so that when I'm updating my character sheet, I know which numbers are changing. And if I need to double check it on the fly, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if 3.5 had the like software support that 5th edition has, it would be no problem whatsoever. Um, I will say that calculating... Uh, 
oh, what is it called? CR it stands mm, for challenge something rating. rating. Or challenge rating, challenge rating yeah. yes. Calculating that, especially if you have a party that is more or less than four people, is very, very difficult in 3.5 and way easier when you have the tools like D&D Beyond. Still, Though, to be f- I love 3.5. Fair. The fifth yeah. edition challenge rating is a mess. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so. I completely agree. <laughs> oh, I don't even so, use. I don't even try yeah. to do the math manually. I just throw it into the thing. Yeah, no. I mean, even when it's like the number, it's it's so inaccurate. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I've the one of the longest podcasts I've ever listened to is a Pathfinder first edition podcast, which is essentially uh, three point five. And the pacing yeah. is fantastic. The storytelling, I mean, that comes from the players, but like they're able to weave in narrative stuff and the mechanical stuff pretty well. It does get pretty wild when they get to the higher levels. I think it ends at like level 16 or 17. And by that point you have like a plus 35 to some of your things. It's, it's absolutely, but they used hero forge, which is like a digital thing that they could put on their computer and hero forge character sheet would add up all your stuff. So you could just click on like add this to my conditions. You can do that in rule 20 too. Rule 20 has support for 3.5 also. Um, I want to, part of me wants, some day on another episode, or maybe just in the Discord, I will share Senna's 3.5 character sheet. She is a level 22 um, rogue and spymaster, prestige classed into spymaster at level 20. Her diplomacy check, I'm pretty sure, is in the upper 30s. What? Might is, even be in the 40s. Does that make it like, impossible to fail at that point? No, because you can still crit fail. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but I also didn't realize I, that that was a mechanic in in three point five. That that I guess they're now adding back into five yeah. five e at this point. Yeah, you can always crit fail in three point five. That we've played at least. Also, I'll be honest. Like we when we started playing, our DM was the only one that knew the rules, and so if he said something that was minorly incorrect, we just assumed it was correct and kept playing. So, like, we've accidentally stacked things sometimes that we shouldn't have or we've, like, um... Like, we played for a very long time and we just realized this recently, that in the case of a tie, defender always wins. And we realized that it's actually supposed to be in the case of a tie, the person rolling wins. Hmm. Um, but... It's been the same often enough that we didn't really realize it, but, um, mm. like, yeah, the so that's one it. minor difference. But, yeah, like, for me, I like Defender wins in case of a tie, so that's just, I would just homebrew it that way. Mm. Well, I'm going to hop into the Spelljammer seat yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and attempt to steer us back onto Spelljammer. That's, there's a segue. <laughs> there's uh, a segue. <laughs> can... Does somebody want to say exactly what a spell jammer is? Because if you if you haven't actually read this book and you've never heard of it, all you know is like it's, it's got space and the trailer had like a sea shanty or something. What exactly <laughs> is a spell jammer in universe? Uh, Navar, do you want to try? Do you want to answer this query? Yeah. So um, it's a couple different things. A spell jammer is the person that that uh, flies the ship. Um, Basically, you sit in your seat, you're, you have uh, the ability to cast spells, and you can uh, steer the ship through magical means. Um, but the spell jammer is and, also your ship. <laughs> mm. And, and spell, it's also the helm, right? Or a spell jamming yeah, helm. Yeah, and it's also the helm <laughs> of the ship, mm-hmm. uh, which is where you steer. 
but you are also specifically the helm is like a throne type thing like somewhere for you to sit because i mean the helm can mean a couple different things in the context of ships especially spaceships but like this is specifically a spelljammer helm specifically is referring to the chair that the spelljammer sits in yeah so then yeah spell jamming i'll go ahead I was just going to say, you are the spell jammer. The spell jamming, ha- spell jamming helm is also that. And then your spell jamming ship. Um, and, and yeah. And then you can also spell jam duel. So, yeah. Yes. You are. Is you that are if you have two person. helms on one ship and you're trying to. Yeah. Take, and you're trying, trying to take to, over yes. somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the real spell jammer was inside us all along. Is what I exactly. Exactly. Mm. Do you mind if I read the section on the spell jamming helm? Sure. All right. So it says, Wondrous item rare requires attunement by a spellcaster. The function of this ornate chair is to propel and maneuver a ship on which it has been installed through space and air. It can also propel and maneuver a ship on water or underwater, provided the ship is built for such travel. The ship in question must weigh one ton or more. Then it has a couple of examples, and then it says, The sensation of being attuned to a spell jamming helm is akin to the pins and needles effect one experiences after one's arm or leg falls asleep, but not as painful. While attuned to a spell jamming helm and sitting on it, you gain the following abilities for as long as you maintain concentration, as if concentrating on a spell. You can use the spell jamming helm to move the ship through space, air, or water up to the ship's speed. If the ship is in space and no other objects weighing one ton or more are within one mile of it, you can use the spell jamming helm to move the vessel fast enough to travel 100 million miles in 24 hours. You can steer the vessel, albeit in a somewhat clumsy fashion, in much the way that a rudder or oars can be used to maneuver a seafaring ship. At any time, you can see and hear what's happening on and around the vessel as though you were standing in a location of your choice aboard it. Transfer attunement. You can use an action to touch a willing spellcaster. The creature, that creature, attunes to the spell jamming helm immediately and your attunement to it ends. So Trickster Rogue could spell jam. Yeah. Yo, that's wild. Yeah, yeah I love that idea. <laughs> uh, it, uh, this, I, I guess more so than other settings, this incentivizes playing some kind of spellcaster. Mm-hmm. because it, it would definitely just, it, does it would enable your ship to just it would you just have a better crew essentially if all mm-hmm. of you had, can at least cast one spell <laughs> yeah. a single just take spell. a warlock multi-class single warlock yeah, exactly. multi-class and you'll be fine yeah it's <laughs> exactly. like yeah well because it's like that way literally anybody on your ship can pilot it but the concentration check is going to matter mm-hmm. um and but does it say like think, when you have to do concentration checks though? I think that's I think the concentration check is when it's a duel, right? When it's a spell jamming duel. Yeah, that's only well, when you're fighting. Well, it says you you maintain you gain the abilities as long as you maintain concentration. So, right. I think any time that your concentration would be interrupted for any reason in general that a concentration would be interrupted, so like if you were trying to fight, if someone was fighting mm-hmm. you, if something crazy happened, um or something wild happened, I'll try to stop using that mm-hmm. word crazy in that fashion. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the, like, yeah, so anytime you would need to make a concentration check, if you fail it, then you lose all the abilities. So you would lose your ability to steer it, and you would lose your ability to switch the attunement. Um, or no, wait, it doesn't, that's no, not I one mean, of the abilities. Yeah. You could just, you could just, uh, somebody else could just get in the seat. But I'm, I am, mm-hmm. like, I think it, what, what this does, though, is, creates a good conversation of like session zero 
okay, are we going to be playing a game where we're constantly in ship battle? Because mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, now I'm going to take, what is it, mm-hmm. the war mage feat and like put points in my constitution. Um, or is this like, we're just going to travel to different planets and just have a wild time. And then it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I'll, I'll dip into warlock or whatever, or it'll be like a first level cleric. And, uh, and then I can steer the ship, but then get out and I can do whatever other thing I want to do with my class um, out there. So I think that's yeah. where it's like, it, there's a lot of, versatility there that you can mess with um i completely agree yeah it uh, what i think what i love about this is that it just adds another dimension of play like another like i think you said at the beginning navar uh, Mm -hmm. that it's just a cool new box of tools that you can draw from and add you could even have like a spell jammer arc in your story doesn't even have to be like oh we're all doing space stuff all the time it's like oh we have we have to get to another place and there's all these different methods by which you can get to this particular plane and one of them is by hiring a ship Mm -hmm. and then you know you have a whole uh, interstellar adventure yeah. in the middle of like a larger campaign. If you wanted to do something where one of your wild space realms had limited magic, so that they, in order to be able to travel to another realm, they needed to be, they needed, they had to cross through the astral plane, mm. like because that that's something that I found interesting about that overlap between the astral plane and the other planes is that like that teleportation stuff like once you're in the astral plane because of that overlap you can teleport between um the astral plane and the 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 other wild space areas like you normally couldn't teleport from the material plane to like the plane of fire or whatever but because the plane of fire is connected to the material plane through the astral plane once you're on the astral plane you can Mm -hmm. teleport wherever the fuck you want so it's like if you're doing a limited magic world and you want to have an opportunity to throw a bunch of magic at them for a a discreet amount of time that could be a really way Mm. cool way to do it uh i could yeah you have to slingshot into space to get to your spell jamming ship yeah i love that (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's do at least a little bit of talking about uh, the the monsters here because there's there really is just so much in here. Uh, has anybody before I throw out some examples? Does anybody have um, anybody or does anybody have any thoughts on like what their favorite monsters from this bestiary are or bestiary? I do want to mention real quick though before we move on from the astral plane that there is astral fishing. Also, I fully thought it said astral fisting the first time I looked at it. I feel like that probably exists in some D and D games. Thing. Maybe not That's most. Different, yeah. uh, definitely <laughs> session zero topic. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Use safety yeah. tools. Yeah. Everybody yeah. gives yeah. spell jammer a whole new meaning, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, I just before sorry, Jeremy. One last thing before you get into this, uh, this is not sex related at all. But it, okay. we we talked about we talked about having your monsters manual and your and your NPC gallery or whatever separate. And again, this is a place where the you have all your your uh, playable races also in the monsters manual, which is I'm just. It just seems yeah. like such a weird um, thing that we to keep doing. To be fair, I will say that it's not called a monster's manual. So taking the word well, monster out of it does do a little bit. It's called a opinion. menagerie. Does that make you feel better? And then that kind of... <laughs> 
makes it bad in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to harp on it, but I was just like, we did talk about that, and that's one thing that has mm. still stayed the same. Um, now, now you can give us your monster, Jeremy. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, one of them that I like off the bat, I if only for the name, is the Cosmic Horror, which is basically just a gigantic, tentacled, mm. spacefaring monster. It's a fun one. My favorite is probably the Doar, which are basically penguin people. And yeah, honestly, in my opinion, so should have been a race. Let us play the penguin people, you cowards. Um, I like the space jellyfish, oh, the aesthetic. Uh, I like the eye monger, which is beholder asteroid. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Jammer Leech. What? I like the idea of like ship parasites and things like that. Uh, I love the space whales with the Kandori. Yeah, they're yeah, so pretty. Space hey, it reminds yeah. me of Black Panther. Uh, you got your Lunar and Solar Dragons, which I think is a great idea. I love that as well. Um, I really love enjoy it. the Vampirates, uh, which are just... Va- it's basically like Curse of what? the Black Pearl. Like These people died and then just refused to go away. And so now they've become undead pirates who just awesome. sail around. Uh, <laughs> the Zodar is one that's very interesting to me. It's like... Yeah, go it ahead. reminds me of the um, Legend of Zelda spirit tracks when Zelda puts herself into the body of one of the big armored dudes and like psychically pilots it around and hops around mm. and helps you. That's what it yeah, looks like. The, the lore of this is really interesting because it's like there's a person, there's a bipedal entity whose body is encased in an obsidian exoskeleton. Uh, it shows no emotion, no pain. Uh, its body is apparently very strong. It's con- composed of tightly knit muscle fibers. It's extremely heavy, uh, but nobody knows where they came from. They're just here, and they don't even speak. They just they just hover in silence. No one knows what their deal is. Uh, no one knows what their motives are either. And the, people think that they may all have like specific missions that are not they're just unspoken. Uh, but sometimes it will react like very strangely to situations that don't involve its mission because it just doesn't know what to do. There's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and there's I love the idea that it can only speak three times in its whole life as well yeah that thing is that's crazy to me that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say um actually it does speak but only three times in its entire life like what that's so i can think of all kinds of crazy things to do with that i mm. mean why it can cast wish that. talk about wild yeah but only yes. as a final act that is wild <laughs> I want to be a real boy. <laughs> it wishes Tell it turns itself into, into it's a Pinocchio. It's been a Pinocchio this whole time. Yeah. Oh boy. That's why. Uh, that's why it has no features and it can only speak three times. It's so it can't lie and so its nose can't grow. Yeah. And it's just trying to find somebody, somebody strong enough to to get it to the point where it needs yeah. to use its last wish. Still a better evolutionary adaptation than the crazy, the wild ass wings that the Hadozi uh, have. Should we talk more about <laughs> the Hadozi, or do you? Did you all have some more monsters that you want to highlight before we move on? Uh, yeah. Space hamsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Navar the, uh, the expression. Uh, that might that might be the head in <laughs> hand, just a heavy sigh. Yeah. Okay. Space hamsters. That that's like that is the max. That is the max camp. That's where that's where it goes. Really, um, <laughs> that's just really silly. Um, Have either I of mean, you it's played cute. Overwatch? Uh, no. Uh, Overwatch. It uh, Blizzard. It's a um, team FPS. 
uh, well, I guess it's a third-person shooter, actually, kind of, but um, there is a pair of characters from the moon, and it is a gorilla named Winston, and a hamster named Hammond, and Hammond pilots what is essentially a giant hamster ball mech, and it's delightful. It's freaking great. And he has a <laughs> robot that translates his hamster squeaks into speech. And That's funny. Um, if you wanted to play Hammond in D&D, this would be that how you would cute. do it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Giant space hamster. I would have liked, honestly, a mechanized or um, spell jamming hamster wheel, I would have been on board with that. Like a spell jamming ship that's, that's a giant hamster right? wheel, and there's yeah. like this group of hamster pirates on the inside mm-hmm. that are just like, Aah! and it's like this huge ball just rolling through the cosmos. Yeah. Uh, I really like that. Secret Life of Pets <laughs> 3. <laughs> Secret Life of Pets in Space. Yeah. Greenlight it. I will just what say. What is a like, murder comet? Uh, it's a comet that's created by an evil mage that flies around and destroys that's things and has like a face on it. Um, yeah, I would just say I really just love that it's it embraces both the astral sea aspect of it and the space aspect of it. And so, um, like having like the space mollymock, which is like basically just an albatross, um, which are like you know a big part of uh seafaring, uh, and then like these uh, like the scabbers, which are just like these terrifying uh giant fish uh, that float around. And uh, the whales, of course. Um, I think, like, I would. Isn't is it Fantasia? Uh, yeah, uh, I think Fantasia uh, has the, space whales like a, that has like the yeah. flying whales in space. Yeah, mm. um, I mean, so I think like that for me is a very evocative image, uh, and I just think it would be cool to like just be chilling on your spell jammer, watching yeah. space whales go by. I'm definitely gonna want to reenact the scene from the Black Panther trailer at some point using those space whales. Well, they have um, ecosystems on them. <laughs> the you can space literally, Molly like, there are creatures live, because they're so big that they they <gasps> yeah. have enough of an air envelope that they have full ecosystems living on them. So That's theoretically, right. and well, people, make, people and make spell jamming ships out of their you, skeletons. So you could just have it be like, yeah, we're just riding along with this Kendari, and they're right, it's the same thing from the Black Panther trailer. Oh, man, that's so cool. And it would have a gravitational plane, so you could be walking fully upright on the yeah, whale's belly you if you wanted to. You can scritch its belly. Yes. Oh, whale scritchies. Um, yeah. The space mollymock also reminds me of uh, oh. Rescuers Down Under and the albatross <laughs> yeah. that is the plane for the mice. Yeah. Um, That's funny. And I really like the starlight apparition it kind of reminds me of uh pulsar from i think her name is pulsar maybe that might not be her name from um a force comics she's or no i think her name is like singularity maybe um but she's basically exactly what she sounds like is like a space singularity and i actually thought based on the character art that um have you guys seen Mm-mm. Thor Love and Thunder? No. I won't spoil it then. But there's a character <laughs> in there that I thought was that character. Uh, okay. but Yeah, it's... Uh, well, the, the lore, I think, with the Starlight Apparition is that it's a person who died while spell jamming, but their spirit remained, and it shows up to try and stop other people from dying, I think, in the astral plane. Maybe not even while spell jamming, but it's while they died in wild space of the astral sea, and they show up and try and ha- prevent other people from suffering the mm. same fate. Uh, so it's like a it's like a good ghost, 
in some ways, or at least a ghost that's trying to help you out that's rather than cool. like being vengeful. I would definitely use that as a DM yeah. for something. It's pretty cool. I love that idea. Uh, with should we should we spell jam our way into these races? All right. Yes. Well, we got we got six new races uh, in this book, which is quite a quite a pile. A si- uh, whole six whole new races. We got the ast- the astral elf, it is. Uh, which is I feel like is basically just a cool new space elf. There's not there's not really much of a difference between them and other which. Elves. <laughs> Yeah, I know that this group notoriously uh, is not fans of elves, but I am, and I like having. An yeah, I, well, I have zero problem. With- I'm. I like elves. I just. I just have uh, critiques about elves. At all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've played elves before. <laughs> I just think I just don't like the way they're usually depicted. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's either fantasy high so, yeah. sophomore year or nothing, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> amazing. Depiction. That was the best. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, uh, sure. yeah, like I think the astral fire. So you get a cantrip. I feel like most people who do this are just going to be doing sacred flame, because don't you? Yeah, you have dark vision, so dancing lights and light aren't even that useful for you. So I feel like that's just an excuse to get sacred yeah. flame for most people. Um, you, I think the only real difference is, I think starlight step. Oh no, no, it's not starlight step. It's the astral trance. I think one major difference is I think most. St- I think most elves can't gain a proficiency in a skill. I think most of them can only gain it in a weapon or tool. And I think the oh. astral elf is one of the only ones that can gain a proficiency in a skill. I have not played a fifth edition elf yet, so I didn't even. Oh, that know only this happened this year. Happened. Yeah. I think that's right. And I've, honestly, I think that yeah, that's a new thing. Um, uh, yes, but the starlight step is actually really cool, though. Uh, as a yeah. bonus action, you can magically teleport up to thirty feet to an unoccupied space you can see. You can use this trade a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you gain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So this this has been one of the m- more recent changes. A lot of people, I think, um, uh, hang on, sorry, you can still hear me, right? It got super quiet for a second. Um, a lot of people can still um, are just realizing what has come out with the one D and D release yesterday as of this recording um but Spelljammer has implemented a lot of the stuff that they've added as new things and this is one of them is that like all of the races get a thing they can do up to their proficiency bonus per times per day um Hmm. and i think that this is specifically a really cool one uh that you just get a a bonus action misty step basically Mm -hmm. um that you can do multiple times without having to use a spell slot like it makes it kind of worth it to play the cla- to play mm. that race that's kind of that funny because i homebrewed something very similar for myself for 3.5 because um one of us was playing a uh, cat folk which is the 3.5 version of tabaxi and um i wanted to play a fox folk so what one of the things i wanted to do was to be able to have um fox's cunning as a cantrip and so we agreed that it was a little bit broken as a cantrip so i did end up taking the level adjustment but basically i got gave myself the fox's cunning cantrip in a form that is i could give my intelligence modifier to somebody else a number of times per day equal to my intelligence modifier so my intelligence modifier was plus six Mm, so it was like yeah yeah but 
That's pretty fun cool. to know. I was kind of yeah. like in keeping with. I think the, yeah. I think the phase step is what most elves had of the version of this, where or at least I know Eladrin had them, but I think some other elves had the had a similar ability where it's essentially just Misty Step. But like you pointed out, Navar, the big difference is the number of times equals your proficiency bonus. Before, I think it was either once per short or long rest yeah. or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I would say the astral yeah. elf, solid elf. All elves are pretty solid in D&D, mechanically speaking. Mm-hmm. I think the flavor is cool uh, of just, like, these elves went from the Feywild to the Astral Plane, and now they've just been hanging out there, and they're basically, like, ageless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one, Autonome. We have... Yeah, I think this is the first time these we've had an officially cool. released race in 5e that's a construct. Because Warforged are humanoids. These are full-on constructs. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Um, mm, so that yeah. changes, uh, I mean, they actually have to address that in the, uh, in the features, the healing machine features, mending is now something that heals you and you can regain that way, but you can also, uh, oh, they've cool. bent the rules where now you could actually benefit from cure wounds, healing word, mass cure wounds, <laughs> mass healing word and spare the dying, which did not used to affect constructs and don't normally affect constructs, mm. but they affect you, which is fair. <laughs> Well, and it's, it specifically says your creator made you that way. Which, if your creator exactly. could make you that way, why the fuck wouldn't they? Unless they're <laughs> messed Unless up. They're in a jerk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the gift. I was gonna say what are, I was gonna say another thing about the auto nodes, but yeah, we can move on. <laughs> yeah, go. No, you can go ahead. All right, but yeah, we'll do the. I just had to get that out there. Uh, and I will headbutt anybody that disagrees with me. Uh, they they follow through with the same. I think it's a similar feature that the the reborn and the warforged have, which is the sentries rest. You can take a shorter version of a long rest, and you don't actually lose consciousness. You just don't mm-hmm. move for six hours, uh, which is always a nice thing whenever that happens. Uh, every. I don't think yeah. people realize how horrifying that would actually be. Potentially. I imagine that it'd be fine for your brain. Like, if you're used to it and you're designed to function that way, I feel like your brain's like, oh, cool. I'm just going to chill. Yeah. Plus, you have a magical brain. So, yeah. you know. But, I don't know. I don't want to take it into too serious a direction, but I'll have the conversation with you guys later because it could get dark. Oh, okay. But, um, mm-hmm. the, I also like their, their built for success feature is nice as well. It's basically bless. Mm. Essentially, you could just give yourself bless uh, a mm. number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, as you pointed out. Mm. Uh, and you can use it after the d20 roll, which is yes. nice. I don't know about bless, but... Uh, yeah, yeah like bless is basically a, a first level spell D20. that you can cast on multiple people that for, I think, one minute they can add a d4 to possibly every attack roll ability check or saving throw. Uh, I can't remember if it's all of those, but that you can just keep adding bless yeah. to stuff. And it's really nice. That's yeah. one thing that's very different from 3.5 is adding all these extra dice to stuff. And 3.5 is just a hard number that you add as a uh, as a bonus, which is, I think, one of the reasons why 3.5 numbers get so high is because you just add hard numbers to the top of everything. It's never an extra die. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think Flash of Genius may be one of the only abilities in, in 5e that just is like, you get this number. Uh, which mm-hmm. is a, an artificer ability where you could use a reaction to just give somebody an, uh, a, a bonus to the roll equal to your proficiency modifier. 
or sorry, not proficiency modifier, mm-hmm. equal to your intelligence modifier. Uh, and I guess... But yeah, in 3.5, it'll just be like straight up, you get plus two. Yeah, the, yeah. I could see how that yeah, would eventually stack twos. to where yeah. you just get insane numbers or rather... Plus your plus numbers. 15, plus your proficiency of, of 17, plus your... Yeah. Listen, <laughs> my husband gave us it. the deck of many things at level like four and I got an instant plus 20 to diplomacy at level four. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow and a castle um yeah and i guess the uh, for slight lore the auto gnomes are basically just little robots that the rock gnomes built and at some point became like separate from them and are now just their own group of people i guess the idea is that they can mm-hmm. presumably I don't, I don't know if it even says um I think the implication is that they were all built by the gnomes, but surely they could yeah. also just, if they're that smart, they could also just build themselves. Like, they could just continue, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, become a self-perpetuating people. Well, it does say that, like, some of these have, like, actual beating hearts in them. Like, yeah. which begs the question of where did they get that actual yeah. <laughs> organ? Not supposed but, to ask that question. Yeah, don't ask. Mm-hmm. It's, on, <laughs> it's on the black space market. An- another one might be powered by Stardust. So I get the impression that they're not easy to make. Um, and it also sounds like one gnome might build one auto gnome. It doesn't sound like this is the sort of thing where like somebody's mass producing these. Mm. I'm sure the auto gnomes could and figure it out. And it also suggests that they look somewhat like their personal creator. But like, I mean, obviously these are all things that a DM could kind of mess with, but they are mostly one-offs. Yeah, I think that's pretty much how they're intended, but I, I don't know. I feel like in-universe, if we're following it logically, they they would have started to be like, oh, let me modify myself. Maybe, because you can, ide- you can yeah. obviously, once they become self-determinant, uh, self-determinating, they can basically just be like, all right, well, I'm going to alter some aspect of my physiology, or I would like to, like, I, I and another autonome would like to get married, and we would like to create <laughs> another one of us, and so we get together <laughs> and maybe give some of our pieces or find other pieces and create another like autonome who is just who looks kind of like both of us and is now uh, considered our progeny for all intents and purposes but i think there's some fun stories Aww. you could tell with that uh yeah that's but should sure. we should we move on to the gif <laughs> the gif right that's what i said <laughs> yeah yeah the gif right hey so the gif are tall broad-shouldered <laughs> hippo folk uh basically just humanoid hippos kind of like your hippo loxodon equivalent and uh, they're they're fun i like the <laughs> i like the art i have to say i'm a big fan of the art yeah it's a shame that none of them For are those GIFs. who haven't none of the art is are none of the art of the gifs are gifs no no no. those are all gifs <laughs> oh okay yeah they should have put some gifs in the GIF <laughs> yeah, 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 on the yeah, yeah. on the gif art uh yeah 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 <laughs> For those who are not aware, it specifically says, and I'm going to read the paragraph, GIF are split into two camps concerning how their name is pronounced. Half of them say it with a hard G, half with a soft G. Disagreements over the correct pronunciation often blossom into hard feelings, loud arguments, and headbutting contests, but they rarely escalate beyond that. So it's completely canon to argue over <laughs> how it's pronounced, and I'm going to come out there and say, it's GIF. And if you think it's Jif, you're wrong. But you're not. <laughs> but you are. 
Uh, I tend to agree. Uh, I actually prefer I prefer GIF, but it's just, it's just fun to say GIF sometimes. It's just fun, yeah. Uh, Navar is, is I, clutching his head and like not like I can't take this. Um, this is the other like this like this is up there with the space hamster. Um, <laughs> I'm just like why why did we do this? <laughs> because internet. Why did we need space hippos? I know. Well, space hippos is great. Uh, why did we need to do a whole GIF GIF thing? <laughs> I think <laughs> that's right. Because internet. honestly, I think the GIF yeah. existed before this edition, and they just brought them into this edition with the same name. But since they were created, of course, GIFs have become a big thing online, and that whole debate has emerged. So I honestly think that's yeah. why mm-hmm. they stuck that line in there was just as a nod to that. I think these are are a pre-existing. I think possibly a pre-existing Spelljammer race specifically. I think they are because I think I th- I want to say I've heard Brendan Lee Mulligan mention them before. I'm not sure in what context. Um, yeah, I I think it would be a fun I think it would be a fun race to play. Shout out again to uh, Casual Geographic because his yeah. videos about hippos are great. Mm, yeah, and an additional shout out to Tirzu who also did a very very good yes. video on hippos. Uh, which both I will now them. reference with in both cases because they both make the same point, which is that hippos can't swim. Hippos in real life are too dense to swim. Hippos travel through the water by sinking and jumping off the bottom of the river uh, or pool, as it were. And yeah. these the, basically they're just doing aqua aerobics. Yes, and these these <laughs> creatures have a swim speed, which. In my games, I think I would just describe as you... I don't know. I, I would be very tempted to say you can't actually swim. You just sink to the bottom and push off. Uh, mm. <laughs> just mechanically. But It's basically... Hippos IRL are just spacewalking all the time. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. They're super buoyant. Uh, I think my one yeah. gripe with this race is the firearms mastery. In a game that is trying to move away from prescribed skills, the firearm Mm. mastery... I mean, I get that it's like a mystical connection, but it feels like it kind of goes against a lot of that. The whole idea of like, hey, moving away from bioessentialism in terms of like specific abilities to operate things. Uh, or things like you know what I mean. Yeah, that that seems like it's kind of like. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm also not a big fan of the they don't even remember their own homeworld trope. Like it looks like we just took that away from the Hadozi and ported it onto the GIF, <laughs> and I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I just I feel like any suitably long lived species is going to start digging to find out its own history. That's just a part of the humanoid condition, and. It again. It feels a little bit lazy, especially if you're going to turn around and say, because of their history, they have this weird connection with something that is actually a piece of fairly modern technology. But we're also not going to tell you what their history is, so we don't have to justify this. Like, mm, yeah. Eh? Also, um, I just don't like guns. I hate guns. I don't like guns in general. Uh, yeah, I guess that would probably disqualify this race on that because this is this race is very <laughs> yeah. much about them them guns. I would probably just do something different with it. Like, I would probably just be like, "Can I be a GIF that likes bows instead, mm. or something like that?" Yeah, I mean, ignoring the loading property of a bow or a crossbow, even like 
Yeah, that, but still that be could very be, cool. Yeah, that's very beneficial. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Uh, and you can attack a long range with it without imposing mm-hmm. disadvantage on a roll. Like that, that would be huge to do yeah. with a bow. So yeah. I, it's I agree. Kind of similar to like a sharpshooter type. Thing. It, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is like we. Ba- they're basically taking feats you could get and giving it to a specific race <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or a spell, right? And then it's just like I like the astral spark um, as well. That's a fun one. That's something yeah. that also feels like it could be either a feat or a class feature mm. where you can just tr- mm-hmm. uh, channel astral energy through your weapon and do additional damage, yeah. do mm-hmm. additional force damage to people. That would be a cool one to port over to the astral elf too, I think. Mm. Yeah, I can see I can see where you're coming from. Just be a half a half gif, half astral elf. Yeah. Yeah. Fan art. Hippo please. elf. <laughs> yeah. Uh I like the look, uh I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think we need more thick elves. And uh yeah. yeah. For sure. We need more thick elves. And look, if a if a, an elf had a baby with a gif, I feel like that baby is gonna be thick. Nine times out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Probably gonna be a thick baby. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Uh but also I making this character one thing i noticed is normally when they talk about like oh powerful build as an ability it's just you can lift more like you count as one size larger this also gives you advantage on strength based ability checks and strength saving throws which is very good depending on what you're trying to do like if you are a strength based build of some kind that could be extremely useful. Or if you're a relatively mm-hmm. low strength build, it still gives you a chance to make strength saving throws, like a better chance to be able to make those. Well, I think like one of the things, like one of the inherent problems in games like this is that you're, let's say you built a, you've played a gift that is a sorcerer, right? So you're, you're not putting any points into strength, but like a moment might come up in the game where you might have to go like save a uh, portcullis from dropping on your friend or whatever right and a lot of times it's just like well i'm not going to do it because i don't have the strength score to do it which is mm-hmm. i i hate that because your character would care about saving their friend um mm-hmm. but this at least gives you like well even though i'm a sorcerer i'm also very large and strong mm-hmm. naturally so i'm going to attempt this anyway um which i think like it even if it doesn't work 100 percent of the time i feel like at, at least helps add an incentive to role play in situations where you wouldn't normally role play. Yeah. That's actually, I will say, since I'm talking a lot about the differences between 3.5 and 5 in this uh, episode, it's one of the things I like about 5th edition that 3.5 doesn't have is the whole advantage system. I think it's a really clever way to, like, buff stuff without getting kind of wildly out of control with some of the numbers or mm-hmm. like just the number of factors that can be involved and the idea that a help action can give you uh, advantage on stuff especially because um, in 5th edition a help action at most is only going to give you a small synergy bonus of like plus 2 to plus 5 so um, mm-hmm. yeah I think I, I really like the advantage system and I think it makes sense for a situation like this yeah yeah um, and does that bring us now to the Hadozi? Have we finally arrived? Yes, it does. We have arrived. Is this the Hadozi sequel? Should we should <laughs> we talk about the changes to the lore? Because I I admit I was surprised. I mm-hmm. I did not think yeah. we were gonna get as big of a blurb as we did. Uh, and it's very interesting. Does somebody want to summarize the Hadozi lore without reading the whole paragraph necessarily? Uh, yeah, I can do it. Um, so essentially, uh, what they changed is that. Uh, they, a wizard, um, visited their homeworld, and uh, and 
basically create trapped a bunch of Hadozi and then gave them this elixir that enlarged them and turned them into sapient bipedal beings. Um, and yeah, so that elixir did a bunch of different stuff to them. Um, but essentially as time went on, um, the wizard wanted to create this army, uh, but instead the apprentices like helped all of the Hadozi escape, and then they fought back and killed the wizard, and now and then went back and gave the elixir to more of the uh, natural Hadozi that were on their homeworld, um, and to create more of the sapient kind, and now they now they are just their own thing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then they and then they got wings, yeah. Uh, and I guess they, yeah. I guess they just straight Started. up left. It's not even that like they were forced to leave. They just eventually yeah. a lot of them. And I guess the implication is that not all of them even left because it, it says yeah. Hadozi's mm-hmm. took to the stars, not the mm-hmm. Hadozi took to the stars. So I guess the idea yeah. and we get a no- name for their planet. Oh yeah, Yazir. We now have a, a whole yeah, planet name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Apparently which is much better, part of the yeah. reason. Yeah, and apparently part of the reason they left is because it's full of really dangerous predators, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes sense. So that's yes, interesting. but it's yeah, but it's no longer just like a place forgotten, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is a good thing. Um, and I, I'm sorry, and I said that out of order. So they they already had wings. They were timid mammals, uh, no bigger than house cats, um, who had developed wing like flaps to glide from branch to branch. Um, but uh, the wing the wings are still wildly impractical um <laughs> in how they're designed they're like it doesn't more make, impractical yeah it doesn't make sense like I, I i really do wonder how they got clothes on like the, the yeah! art the art is absolutely gorgeous but i don't think it takes into account how did you how did you get sleeves on like where did you where did you fit those sleeves um there should be ties for everything yeah like yeah, it should absolutely have to be like makes a split no sense piece that they that have gone like fit on. over and slide and tie together. Um, it looks. I'm imagining that everything just comes in two pieces. Like they never pull anything it's off. Gotta. It's like two. It's their their clothing has like laces and buttons on the side, and it's all like clip on. So they like put half on the front and half on the back, and clip it all down the side or weave it all down the sides. Because I agree, it yeah. is completely impractical. The art looks so good, but there is no thought given it's to so how good. these people yeah. actually got dressed. It's honestly, no. I would just literally erase the wings and pretend that that was never there, and. And then I would just play it like that because <laughs> for me, it's so, it's like the one little thing that's breaking my suspension of disbelief about this character of like, this makes no sense mechanically. Every time it they tried to use them, it would get caught on something. Why do they have swords in their hands? They're just going to cut a big scar through their wing. Like, yeah. What if we made them like the I, frogs that can glide, that have huge uh, membranes in between their toes and fingers, so that they can just jump yeah, out and spread better. their hands, and then you just they like glide that way. I feel like yeah. that would work better <laughs> than having giant parachutes. Yeah, just these huge, <laughs> these huge interfinger webbing parachutes, just floating yeah. down on. Uh, I mean, I feel like even from just like I don't want it to be taken from the samurai because we have enough problems like. The first, the first character art in the book is a blob um, wearing Tibetan monk clothes, which we could talk about that when we get to that. But um, <laughs> I don't want them to just like, hey, let's take all this stuff from the samurai. But specifically, like when I think of samurai armor, a lot of it is like fitted over and tied together from what I remember. They use a lot of different ties. And I think that that's something you could do 
with the Hadozi of just like everything comes in two pieces or, you know, and you just pull it together and tie it together from there. It's going to take long to, to get your stuff on. Um, Mm -hmm. right. And not that we have to impose any penalties to to player character for that, but it's just like, I don't know. I want it to make sense because I, my brain needs that to make sense. And, um, as gorgeous as this art is like like i really don't want to understate that like it's absolutely gorgeous art i just it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. of how these how these creatures got dressed aside from the the very the highly questionable evolutionary mechanics and biomechanics of all of this what do we think about the mm-hmm. lore change i know we've said that we i and i completely agree that we like that they now have a home planet the home planet has a name and the implication is that some of them probably still live there and others just left because of predators what do we think about the idea mm-hmm. that they were essentially just monkeys that got they, they got planet of the apes uh rise of the planet of the apes more mm-hmm. accurately that they were just straight yeah. up monkeys that got given a special elixir that turned them into bigger humanoids uh, instead of animals what do we think about that and the whole wizard <laughs> storyline that he was planning on essentially yeah. enslaving them so i had a very specific reaction to this where it was like you read the first part and you're like okay keep reading and then you read the second part and you're like okay keep reading and then you read the next part and you're like okay keep reading and then you read it so it's like i i i wish that that wasn't it um that it wasn't just like a uh sort of evil colonizer situation try to trap these things and turn them into an army and then there's this overthrown thing but that said uh the lore says that it was something that happened centuries ago so at least now your character is removed from that past um you know if you decide for them to be and i think that that is at least an important distinction if you're going to do it this way i think i think that there could have been other ways to do it um it, it could have just been like a uh, more evolved Hadozi figured out a way to do this or happened upon a magical, you know, um, yeah, I don't can't. You could do, word. you could like do it like 2001. Like, like you they could, found a monolith and the guy, like they yeah, did 2001 yeah. where they, and it just like, adju- you know, from, like yeah, a monolith essentially. Yeah. And so I think it's just, it didn't have to be that specific story, but I am at least a little bit happier that they put centuries between it happening and where we are now in terms of game time. Um, Mm. So that way your character doesn't have to be like, I once was a slave to the evil wizard of the Spelljammer. I still remember us killing that wizard. Good times, (laughs) man. Good Mm. times. Yeah. Uh, I did note that it says they were forced to kill the wizard, which suggested that he didn't that they didn't want to, which I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that. Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, I'm like, oh. it puts a step in between thinking of them as like they got uplifted and then they just became these revenge monkeys. But um, on the other hand, wh- like, why didn't they want to kill the wizard who was basically trying to enslave them? Like, yeah. are we taking that? It's, it's a good question. I but I'm like I don't know how I feel about it. So that's the two things that pop into my head. It reminds me of the plot in Mass Effect with the Krogan and the Salarians, in which the Salarians um, are this race that is really focused on science and and like space outreach and stuff like that. And they were in a war against 
this huge insectoid race that they had no hope of defeating so they went to the planet where the krogans lived and the krogans were like not animals but they were in like the neanderthal stage of development basically um which already is getting problematic but uh then the solarians created this uh similar sort of situation where they like uplift them and give them skills that we associate with full humans again problematic and then um the krogans become such effective fighters and conquerors that the solarians are like oh shit we fucked up and they create a genophage which causes them to become like 90 percent sterile as a species and they're dying out and then in mass effect 3 you get an opportunity to address it but it's like i guess i bring that up because my feeling like exploring my feelings about that story maybe helped me understand how i feel about this a little bit and it's like a on the one hand that's some problematic shit on the other hand they fully depict it as problematic shit and like I think it's okay to tell a story where we recognize that the world has problematic shit going on and mm-hmm. figuring out how to deal with that is something that storytelling can do for us, but I think it's something you kind of have to be prepared to go into. Like, it's definitely like a trigger warning kind of situation. On paper, I actually don't necessarily have an issue with, oh, a person experimented on beings to make them into essentially soldiers that he was going to then use and took a bunch of them away to perform these experiments. Uh, They were kind of given sapience. They were like, oh, they were still kind of figuring things out, but it became clear that he had nefarious intentions. The people that were working with him saw the error of their ways and they banded together with the newly created sapience beings to kill the bad guy they went back and were like hey we can now give this gift to more people because we think that being sapient is better ultimately than being not sapient so we can help out more of our people or they basically now have control of their own destiny uh i think all that is fine i think a lot of it hits differently because it's specifically monkeys and because we've already talked about the history of the character i think if these were Mm -hmm. for example teddy bear people we would not be having this same conversation uh, I think if, if if it was just, oh, this person found a, a planet full of bears and was like, hey, what if I want to be friends with the bears but and have them not eat me? So it gives, gives them a, an elixir that makes them all smarter. And, and maybe it also physiologically changes them so they're also cuter and they don't smell as bad. And then he's like, oh, man, this is great. You know, I can use these bears and, and sell them to be companions for people. And the bears are like, excuse me, we're people. We don't want to do that. And he's like, well, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I don't care. And they're like, well, then we'll have to stop you. And they, they kill the bad yeah. guy and fly back. That's not, <laughs> that does not hit nearly as problematically as monkey mm-hmm. people. And that's where it starts to mm-hmm. get kind of like, like I, I completely agree yeah. that it's problematic, but it's in the, problematic in the same sense that like, oh no, our kingdom is being invaded is problematic. Like, which right. is essentially just a bad thing is happening. Conflict in the story. The issue is when it starts to uncomfortably parallel real world issues and events in a way that isn't necessarily handled well and i think that the hadozi i'm with there with both of you it sort of like rides the line where there's a lot of okay 
continue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they kill the wizard like, yeah. oh, okay. And they go back and like, okay. And then yeah. they went to stars. Okay, all right. But I don't think we needed to get <laughs> so close to like the, okay, territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say the first thing I like immediately skimmed for was like, astral elves talking about Hadozi being yeah. and fascinated by astral and I'm so glad none of that made it in there yeah, yeah. dodged a that. bullet on that one um, yeah Yo, how much worse is this yeah, if, for this, sure. if this book if it's like the astral elves went to a planet found these cute monkeys made them into people had the it is like oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> they made it worse yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, I think, like, yeah. so in a similar vein, um, I agree with what you're saying, Jeremy, about it uh, because of them being monkeys and, and the associations that we've already drawn with this thing. Like, I think it does hit different. And in a lot of ways, it just reminds me of uh, your conversation with B. Dave. And he ha- had the same uh, story on, on my show as well of just like D&D has Cholt. And it used to just be like savages with sharpened teeth and et cetera, et cetera, all these like awful stereotypes. And then it's like, well, you had the chance to rewrite it. And what you rewrote was that they used to be colonized, but then they overthrew the colonizers. And it's like, well, why not just give them their own rich culture that has nothing to do with somebody else being there in the first place? And so I think that it's just one of those things of like, it's, it, this is a better rewrite of what was written in the past, but I also think it could have been even better. Um, so credit where credit's due, this is better, but like we, I think we could have done more um, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. same amount of word count and been okay. Yeah. And we still mm-hmm. have been like, yeah, we're happy. We, the Hadozi are cool. And I think it also goes back to what we were saying in the previous conversation about the Hadozi is that like having black people in the room who are comfortable speaking up will help with stuff like this because yeah. It is the main thing about this is the history of associating black people with primates, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's the that's the part of it that actually physically cannot be separated from this race slash species because they're monkeys. So, yeah. idea of monkey people, very cool. I like aside from the stupid wings, I love the artwork, um, <laughs> and I would definitely play one of these characters. But like, you have to realize the tropes that you're participating in when you are making media that's for general consumption. And like, if you don't have people that are immersed in the culture working on it with you, then you're going to miss those tropes and you're going to fall victim to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for those of you who maybe are not as familiar with that particular trope, it and may even think that it's not particularly prevalent. Uh, all it takes is actually a simple Google search. Uh, there are multiple controversies still going on in Europe, uh, especially countries like Italy, where when black football players, like soccer football players, will go over there, they will make monkey chants at them. Uh, in like the audience, like the the, the fans will be making monkey ch- chants at these oh, black were, players. Uh, and there were cases when people threw bananas on the exactly. field. Like that is it's yeah. 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 Even for like for if, if just because you haven't been exposed to it, it is extremely prevalent and very very common, uh, and has been for a long time. Sadly, uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I I honestly think even in American football, there's something that happened similarly recently, like over the past few years. I can't remember specifically who it was, but I feel like there was a similar situation of a fan. It, this was 
more um, singular in that, like it was like one person being just a complete shithead, but like using similar language to talk to an NFL player. I mean, people use that kind of language against Venus Williams all the time. Mm, yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. And they used it against Michelle Obama. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's reasons that people, that black people feel about that. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's. I think even saying we're gonna have a bunch of monkey races. I think every person, every black person in America, tends to lean forward and go, "Okay, wait, what?" Like, that was the sound of a million like- sphincters collectively tightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt a sudden disturbance in the force. <laughs> sudden, mm-hmm. millions of sphincters suddenly cried out and then were silenced. Uh, so, uh, should we talk about the mechanics? <laughs> that just sounds like a global fart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I refuse to explain it. Uh, should we talk about the <laughs> mechanics of the Hadozi? Uh, we're bringing yeah. in the whole medium or small thing again, which I I enjoy that they're bringing mm-hmm. that to a lot of races. That yeah. you can pick whether you're medium or small. You now have a climbing speed equal to your walking speed. That's always fun. Thirty feet climbing speed. Uh, the you can use your feet as a bonus action to manipulate an object, open or close a door, or pick up or set down a tiny object. That would indicate... I have that in real life. <laughs> that would indicate, though, <laughs> that you can actually use your feet to potentially activate a magic item. Mm-hmm. If it is... Or yeah. hold a weapon. Yes. Uh, I don't know if they... I don't know if they specify weapon, but at the very least, you could hold it. If it's like, oh, I don't want to stow this... You maybe bonus action just I hand my foot this particular weapon and then free action mm-hmm. you know pull something else out yeah uh, but that could potentially be helpful and then of course the glide ability yeah uh, which mm-hmm. I would definitely if I was gonna take that class um, is quick draw still a feat no I don't think uh, so I don't mm. think so quick draw actually well, is an in ability 3.5. in the in the, uh, the gunsmith class uh subclass that we made for outlaws and obelisks uh it's one of the potential shots that you can get experimental i think shots or something like that but you can't it's gotcha. not a regular uh and 3.5 it allows you to draw a weapon as a free action so um for me i would definitely if that was a mechanic in fifth edition and i was playing this character i would definitely want some way to get a free action to pass something from my hands to my feet because that would be super useful mm. um i think you do have that you have a single free action that you can use to use an object interaction but this would en- enable you to do two object interactions one of them being a bonus action uh and uh, another thing about the glide feature there's two things actually about the glide feature one of them is that you can't wear heavy armor which is pretty standard for any sort of flying or flying adjacent ability uh but the fact that you can move five feet horizontally for every one foot you descend in the air means that essentially you can if you dash uh travel 300 feet horizontally wow because it's it's five times 30 uh, which is 150, and if and if you're hasted, that goes up even more. Uh, so you could you could cra- you could cover some serious distance uh, with this ability, or you just climb up to like the highest tower and just fly to the next town. Basically, yeah, like cast haste on yourself, <laughs> and if you're a rogue and you're double dashing, and you're using all of your actions yeah. to dash, plus your bonus action, plus your movement speed is doubled, and you have like. Uh, the mobile feet, and you're a monk. <laughs> you're just, whoosh. yeah. D and D Assassin's Creed Edition. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. think this is the new, po- possibly mm. the new highest speed. I don't know though. 
Uh, this might be this might be mm-hmm. the new f- in terms of horizontal distance covered. Uh, but the yeah. prop there, <laughs> there's a sorry, real quick. There's a guy. Um, I want to say it's Turok or Tulok. Oh, Tulok the Barbarian YouTube that does like. Yeah, yeah, and he does one about the Flash, and it's like you got to do a lot of steps to get there, but he makes it so that the speed of the like he can get the character speed up to like I forget exactly the number. It was an insane, insane speed though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like before we move on, the Hadozi resilience is kind of cool because it it's yeah. just you reduce the damage that you take equal to you know, a d6 plus your proficiency bonus again equal to a number of times mm-hmm. equal to your proficiency bonus. I like it. It that just makes you cool. a little tankier. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Halflings, I would like to thank our sponsor for today, Factor. With the busy season fast approaching, you might be on the lookout for some wholesome, convenient meals for a jam packed days. I know that I do. One of my favorite things about having a ready-to-eat meal kit is the fact that I get a nice variety to my diet. It is so easy when you're busy and you're trying to look for nutritious food to eat to just eat the same things over and over again. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. Factor is here to help you. Skip the next trip to the grocery store, all the chopping and prepping and cleaning too, whilst getting all the flavor, nutrition, and quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat and enjoy and get back to crushing your day. 
you can choose from over 34 flavor-packed meals per week. And the Calorie Smart meals come in at less than 550 calories per serving. And if you need a little extra boost in the day, there is an assortment of 45-plus add-ons that you can snack on, including breakfast items, including apple cinnamon pancakes, or as we like to call it, second breakfast. And just in case you need any more convincing, Factor offsets 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity for all of their production sites and offices. Head over to factormeals.com slash halflings50 and use the code halflings50 to get 50% off. That's the code halflings50 at factormeals.com slash halflings50 to get 50% off. You are so welcome. Enjoy your tasty, nutritious meals for half price. Go now. What are you doing? Go, 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 run, go get the meals. Go, 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 go. Thank you to Angie for sponsoring this HeadGum podcast. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Indeed. So if you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Yeah, doing stuff yourself seems fun, but then you actually get to you know solving a problem and you realize that mm-hmm. you can create 10 more problems and then you probably should have just paid a yeah. a professional to deal with it right off the bat you can easily injure and or maim yourself as well yeah you don't want to do that no. angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process You just get the app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. It's very convenient. It sure is, folks, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. So download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Thank you, Angie. Angie Angie.com. Thank you. Uh, should we should we skim through because we're we've been talking for a long time? Should we try and quickly skim yeah. through the plasmoid and the thrykeen, both of who are probably the two most out there races in this entire book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The plasmoids look pretty cool. <laughs> it's basically if you were playing a gelatinous ooze as a character. Mm-hmm. It's your creature type. Um, even. You're an ooze. Yeah. yeah. Cool. You can squeeze through a space as narrow as one inch wide. Yeah. If you're not carrying anything. <laughs> Provided yeah. you're nude. You can <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might yeah. as well be. You're an amorphous blob. <laughs> I mean, you can still benefit from armor, but uh, yeah, it is It is pretty funny. And the other, like, the weird thing that they... So, like, things you would expect from an ooze, I guess, um, but also so you could shape yourself to, like, mm-hmm. give yourself multiple heads or arms or individual of those things but then you can also as a bonus action extrude a pseudopod that is up to six inches wide and ten feet long uh and use it to manipulate objects open doors containers pick things up (laughs) uh it has no sensory organs and can attack and can't attack activate magic items or lift more than 10 pounds um but that's still pretty ridiculous (laughs) like you could be locked in a cell and stick your nasty pseudopod out and take the keys from the yard. So. <laughs> or just pick mm-hmm. the lock. Like you insert yourself pick, into the yeah, lock. turn it into a key. Then, yeah. And like form to or it. Or just fuck with him by like tickling his ear. <laughs> yeah. 
of yeah plasmoids <sighs> really out there i have to say i have not looked at the mechanical impacts yeah. of being an ooze i don't know if all of the healing spells would work necessarily i'd have mm. to see again it mm. does say that you have acid and poison resistance and saving advantage on saving throws against poison and you can hold your breath for an hour that's kind of fun I wish, honestly, I wish that they used some of the acid, if they gave them an acid damage option. Because that's one of the, like, that's one of the defining features of a gelatinous ooze. Or of any kind of ooze, really, in D&D. I feel, is the, the fact that they can I think it's a little, a little wild that their speed is still 30 feet. I think that yeah. I want to see a, an ooze running full speed at the same pace as a human being. <laughs> well, if you can turn into a humanoid form... Yeah, but can you just know. imagine the legs like blah 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 It would be like it would be like comic book Miss Marvel where you just stretch out. Mm-hmm. You just take bigger steps. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Shout out to Tulak the Barbarian if you ever want to make a if you ever want to redo Mr. Fantastic because I think he's already made Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic 4. I feel like this is the oh, this yeah. is the race right here. Mm. This is the This got to be yeah, this got to be it. Uh, but yeah, plasmoids are cool. Um, Should we do Thrykeen, or do we want to f- do talk more? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I was already afraid of bugs. The idea of telepathic bugs, <laughs> fuck that, <laughs> fuck yeah. that right into whatever. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Not only are they telepathic, but they also have a chameleon carapace, so you get to just blend into the background. Mm-hmm. Um, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So, uh, as yeah. a person who's a fan of bugs, um, I like the idea that you can, you have natural camouflage. They're another cool character design. Like the art, they is are. Fantastic. They are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If I wasn't, if I didn't have a phobia of bugs, this would be really dope. But <laughs> instead, it's nope. It, yeah, <laughs> it could have been dope, but you That's are merely good. nope. It, but you are nope. Um, I also um, I like this. Yeah. The secondary arms are another one that is a truly, mm-hmm. truly interesting feature uh, that you could, they can, so you have basically have two slightly smaller secondary arms below your primary pair of arms, and those arms can manipulate an object, open or close a door or container, or pick, pick up or set down a tiny object, or wield a weapon that has the light property. So you theoretically mm. could be quadruple wielding. Yeah. General Grievous style. Yeah. Hell yeah. And what if, what if, um... And I guess this is a question for the DM. Would a DM let someone use, say, a rapier with both tiny arms instead of like a one-handed thing? Because you put your two little tiny arms together and hold, use them together to hold a rapier. Would that be like the equivalent of a heavy weapon for you? Uh, I wonder if that would hmm. be something interesting. But that's, yeah, hmm. it's the fact that none of this requires oh, yeah. a bonus action and it just gives you, I guess, more utility when it comes to using weapons is pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I've, I think in, because of the way that D&D combat is constructed with your action economy, like it's mostly going to be flavor stuff, mm-hmm. but I do think it's fun because I, I like one of the few ways you can really make combat dynamic is through flavor. So I, you know, mm. drop the knife into your little tiny hand and then stab somebody with it. Mm-hmm. Pull an Arya Stark. Do, yeah. Do that move. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm there for it. Mm. And, and you uh, read to sleep. I just want to point out. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I do want to point out just with the the plasmoids. Um, so I mentioned it, I briefly mentioned it earlier, but like one of the wild things, so I 
I went to go, I jumped to the plasmoid after looking just at the backgrounds. The backgrounds are something else that they've started to add uh, with the new systems. But the first one is an astral drifter. And this is like the first singular character art that we get. Um, and it is literally a plasmoid um, who like, depending on your uh, knowledge of these things, either looks like a Tibetan monk or a Shaolin monk. Um, and and an it just is one of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just one of those things that's just like, why did why did we why did we decide this like this mm. this is there's this is only drawn for cu- cultural appropriation there's no reason that this ooze <laughs> would have mm. this specific clothing and i just think it's so out of place for for the book specifically because it's like we're talking about mm. um the astral sea like you could have done like a really interesting costume design and instead and said we went with this, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I I don't want to like I don't want to just harp on it because I don't want it to be an all negative thing. But it, I just really found that sort of jarring uh, that that's the first character you see personally. I think um, that's an absolutely legit criticism because it's like there's there's nothing in there to even suggest. Yeah, so that's why I went to go look at the plasmoid. I was like, is this like, uh, is plasmoids, are they borrowing from like some kind of (laughs) uh, Tibetan culture? No, nope, they're not. It's just, we just wanted a monk in there and the shorthand for monk. Yeah. (laughs) Well, monk, I mean, we did, we've done basically three episodes on how uh, orientalist the monk class (laughs) is in its execution, just on multiple. Listen to James Mendes Hodes. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, he'll take care of it much better than I can. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's because of him and Asians represent, I have a lot of issues with this. Um, mm-hmm. So listen yeah. to those people. Yeah, I completely Oy. agree. It is, it's it's an ongoing problem. Whatever strides that D&D yes. is making in some areas in terms of racial sensitivity, that is one in which, this is a clear area in which they still are failing. Um, yeah. And actually on, on a just more neutral note, I guess, uh, in regards to the, the backgrounds, the backgrounds give you feats, uh, which as we've now mm-hmm. seen with one D&D just having been released mm-hmm. is going to apparently be the standard going forward. So yeah. with with the uh, with the astral drifter, you get uh, the magic initiate feat, and then the other one is wild spacer. Let me see. That one gives you the tough feat. So you get they. That is something to note. Uh, that is pretty much just mm-hmm. neutral. Um, is there anything else before we mm-hmm. wrap this up? I I, I did want to uh, very quickly say I think it's cool that the Thriking don't need to sleep. Um, they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't have a reduced rest time but they do still you can just remain conscious and just sit there well no actually you just have to you you can still move with this one you can move around if you've ever experienced sleep paralysis get in the discord and tell these guys what i'm talking about (laughs) i've experienced it i just took it as like you turn on that setting and then can turn it off at any time like whenever it's like you have to remain dormant in order to get the rest it's just like oh okay so in order to get this rest i just have to sit here still rather than like i suddenly am like in this mode and i'm unable to get out of it (laughs) yeah watching things Mm -hmm. happen and can't stop it yeah i definitely yeah i agree and i think like the reason i think it's stated that way is because it's like now you don't have to have people take watch you could just yeah. You know, if you're a thriking, you could just be on watch mm-hmm. all the time and not be penalized for it. So, mm-hmm. yep. 
I agree. And of course, the telepathy. Um, this is an interesting yes. one. So you cannot speak non-Thrykeen languages that you know. So you can understand them, but it's basically Wookiees at this point. Or the yeah, idea yeah. is that yeah. you, I guess your your speaking apparatus is so different from everyone else that you just literally can't form the sounds of their language so you have to use telepathy and le- yeah and other people can't speak their language either yeah that's true yeah uh it's impossible you have no, um let me see if you have no uh mandibles to click with exactly yeah. uh which would actually I mean, be a cool thing if you had like a science people don't get mad yeah. but not not the way that the bugs do i was gonna say i think it would be cool if somebody our mandibles don't click if somebody same. had like a, an instrument or something that allowed them to imitate the sounds of a uh, thrykeen mm. and then could communicate that way that would be really really cool that reminds me of research that's going on right now where they are making dolphin keyboards which uh, create i'm not even kidding this is 100 percent real and you can look it up there are keyboards that they have created that can go underwater that are make specific whistles that are within a dolphin's range but are not established like words for them yet but they've already established that dolphins have words in the form of specific whistles that mean specific things including names and so they've been able to use this keyboard to create words for specific things like ball or excuse me, or seaweed or something like that. And they will push the button to make the whistle sound. And then the dolphins will make the same whistle sound back to them. And then they use it to play games with the dolphins. It's so fucking cool. But yeah, we're learning to speak dolphin. That's super cool. That is cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, I think, downside of the Thrykeen telepathy ability is that it does not appear to indicate that you can give them the ability to speak back to you. So while you can you can still understand them if they speak verbally, you it's not like a covert. Oh, I'm going to have secret conversations with everybody. It's more just I'm going to give people secret information, uh, rat, mm-hmm. which still cool. It's got a 120 foot range. There doesn't seem to be the only thing that can break it is either you go beyond 120 feet or somebody chooses to mentally break the contact, which doesn't require any actions. Uh, but you can mm-hmm. transmit it. That also means. Let me see. You have to be able to see them, but theoretically, you could, once you establish the link, you might be able to then move to other, like, on the other side of a wall, for example, and continue. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm getting from this. It seems to be the implication. So long as you're within 120 yeah. feet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. I like it. I think that's, like, how yeah. the psychic link works anyway in D&D. Yeah, and it still seems like you could cast message or something like that if you really wanted that Clotten-Daston um, response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think last point is a number of these races, which I don't think we mentioned, get boosts to their uh, to their AC. I think under certain circumstances, like I know the Chameleon Carapace gives you mm. a boost to your AC. Um, which other one? I feel like there was maybe. The, yeah, they which, use like the although, natural armor rules, basically. Yeah. Yeah. If you put on armor, you lose. Yeah. It. Um, where, which, uh, I thought there was at least one other one. Uh, the auto gnome. There was the auto gnome. Uh, the, the gifts. Mm, yeah. Mm. Oh, do gifts give it to you as well? <laughs> uh, no, I think you're right. It was the okay. Auto-nome. So two of them: the auto gnome and the thrykeen yeah. both give you a base armor class of 13 plus your dexterity modifier. Uh, so that said, we have talked about a whole lot of elements in this book, and there's still, like, a considerable amount for us. Oh, yeah. And it's not even one book, by the way. It is three separate books. Uh, 
I was going to say, we really only talked about one of the three Yeah, books. like we, we dipped into Boo's Astral Menagerie, which is the, the, be, the bestiary or bestiary, but mostly focused on the Astral Adventurer's Guide. And then we didn't even cover the Light of Xerixis, which is a, an adventure module. So there's a, there's a pile of content. We didn't even talk about the Rock of Brawl. That's a whole section of this book. Uh, I was going <laughs> to yeah. say there's a poster map. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't, I don't think we even talked about the random rolling tables that they have now for um, encounters. Like they have a whole section on oh, planning man. astral encounters, which I know that Jasper has said he wishes they had more of in the past, where it's like, hey, here's a yeah. list of things you can encounter. Here's a list of the CRs, different options for things. Uh, which is also pretty like they have a whole it's a whole section on that uh, and how to homebrew your own wild space system how to look at travel between worlds these books are jam packed they're packed to the gills this yeah. would this honestly makes me kind of want to do a mass effect game like the rules are here to put together a mass effect game mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mass Effect. Uh, perhaps if they were going to do another Star Trek, maybe they are starstruck. They might look at this if Dimension Twenty did a sequel. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of different settings uh, can work with this. Uh, final thoughts? Anybody? Final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it would just. It still seems really fun. Um, I I like a lot of the directions that they've gone, and I think mechanically, like a lot of this stuff, just seems cool to play Mm. Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm interested to see how like how people start to mess with it and and the stories that are told um because you know there's going to be like a hundred uh spell jammer ap's that come out over the next uh couple months so for sure uh, we'll have we'll have our pick of content i'm sure (laughs) yeah very true i will throw in there that one of the things that we mentioned about the hodozi last time was that we would like to see more than one example of a hodozi um and the bestiary does include three different character builds so Mm -hmm. i will say that is a an improvement Mm -hmm. i won't uh quantify how much of an improvement but it's (laughs) it's an improvement Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think same thing. I think it's a very fun and cool setting. I think it's ex- I'm excited to get to use it for things. Uh, stay tuned for Bowie's in Space, by the way. I, or no, it's excuse me, it's called Bowie's in Spelljammer. Uh, I will be playing Major Tom. All of us are playing various personas of David Bowie, and I'm playing Major Tom. So nice. That'll be fun. Ground control to <laughs> Major Cobb. Hey, <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody has given me the nickname Major Cobb. Uh, but there it is, folks. Joan just gave it to you. Somebody needs to throw that at me uh, so that I can add it to the list. Uh, but I, uh, I think that's pretty much that's pretty much it for us. Should we go ahead and give our plugs? Yeah. Uh, who has something to sure. plug? Uh, Joan, do you want to go first with the plugs? Uh, yeah, I got hair. I got electrical cords. Mm. I got uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, I'm Joan. Uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter as at a underscore wild underscore Akfan, and you can also find pinned there, uh, I am soft launching my Patreon. So if you sign up for my Patreon, um, I have said that if I get enough Patreon subscribers, I will learn how to play Magic the Gathering, and if you contribute at a high enough tier, you can tell me what deck to buy. So, yeah. Hit me up. Also, check me out on Girls Run These Worlds on Sundays, playing Mythic Odyssey of Theros. Oh, yeah. And Navar. Mm-hmm. Navar, what you got to plug, buddy? Yeah, I am 
I am Navar. You can find me on you can find me on Twitter at Navar S N P. That's N A V A A R S N P. Uh, or you can also find me on my podcast, Eager Nerd Podcast, where I have discussions with people about their individual experiences in the TTRPG space. Uh, and you can find that Twitter at Secret uh, N R D Social. And yeah, check check out the show. Check out the one shots that are bonus episodes on the show. Check out uh, the games that I'm making over on Itch. I just came up with a, an idea of how to blend D and D and Monopoly together yesterday. Um, so keep an eye out for that because that's going to be coming out pretty quick. I can do that probably this mm-hmm. weekend, but Ooh. by the time this comes out, you'll never know when I finish it. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, um, but yeah. And stick, stay tuned. I'm, I've got a bunch of great guests coming up too. So, Also exciting. Uh, and yeah, I'm Jeremy Cobb. You can follow me on Twitter at JeremyCobb1. Uh, this is Cobb with two Bs. Number one, I do have an Instagram. Um, still can't remember what it is, but if you find it, follow me. It always makes <laughs> me smile. Uh, and uh, oh yes, please go check out, if you haven't already, go check out the series, which by this point should have been, should have released several episodes, uh, which is our new actual play series, Tales of Wagadu, The Curse of the Spider Queen. Uh, the first, Ba-da-da-da! the first three episodes, by the time this comes out, should have already dropped on Patreon. Um, <sighs> at least, uh, it, depending on when this comes out, we might even have the first six episodes out on Patreon already. Wow. Uh, and it will be released weekly the on the main feed as well. So you'll get to hear it no matter what but if you want to if you want to binge some of those episodes and get them early go to the patreon folks and you also get talkbacks we have behind the scenes talkbacks where we talk about like they're called wagadu watches we talk about uh the behind the scenes the planning of the show how we all felt about the different things that happened uh so on and so forth it's there absolutely there's just so much uh go check it out and watch us on youtube as well because there's tons of youtube there's youtube videos for all of these was jeremy shared the theme song with the two of us and it is so good yes the show hasn't even released yet we've got a great theme song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the character art shout out to jonathan charles and uh tank oh, and kyle uh who did all the who did the music and the art and uh also dan dan ramos and uh seth Louis and the rest of their team just so many people and our cast uh well i'll even say the cast because if you have it's already out so uh you got me as your dm you got you got Liv kennedy uh as juji ose you have newcomer but uh but awesome comer shamini bundel as ref and you have uh jonathan charles as abawade um so yeah great times great great times who, who knows what'll happen I do, but no one else does. <laughs> no one else does. <laughs> all right. We'll all have to This wait. outro has gone on long enough. <laughs> so long, Shire Folk. So long, Shire Folk. That was a hit. Soik! You thought the episode was over, but it's not. We back. We back. So like, you thought I wasn't here, but I'm here now. <laughs> Liv was here I was here time. in the background. I was chilling. I, I wasn't. I, I, <laughs> it's a lie. Sorry. <laughs> if you watch the video back, you'll see Liv just <laughs> reclining through the entire yeah, My episode. hands steepled as I watch <laughs> everyone <laughs> chat. Um, no, it's me. I'm, I'm here. We're just about to record another episode. Uh, but we thought we would jump onto this topic because it kind of needs to be discussed. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, 
Folks, we just said, you just heard us say that we like the changes that have been made in Spelljammer from what we've read, but we hadn't read the adventure yet. <laughs> uh-huh. the and I just, uh, <laughs> As it turns I just out. did a, a one shot of the first oh, two opening chapters of the adventure. And I was like, hey, Jeremy, how do you feel about this? Uh, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Liv, do you, do you want to describe yeah. why, explain sure. why we're here sure. talking so, about this? Like, I yeah. was interested to hear like what you had to say about like because you were like yeah it's good and I was like oh you think it's good <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the wrong oh, podcast no. <laughs> um, but so uh, so yeah I did, just ran the two first two chapters of Spelljammer um, on Dicebreaker and I well first of all I said um, I'm nervous about this territory so nobody play her dozy just don't do it um, and then yeah so basically spoilers by the way for the opening two chapters. But on in the second chapter, you your ship is like uh, a, a group of astral elves try to commandeer your ship, um, which is like okay, yeah, that seems like something else would do. Mm. Um, but then, <laughs> but then uh, you see running around behind them, just like a whole crew of Hadozi, just like at their beck and call, just like manning the ship and like being the crew, and it's just very like very much like they are a subservient crew to these astral elves and i was like oh dear okay um so i decided to just skip over all that nonsense basically and just yeah but i was still 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 Mm. not hyped by it um jeremy so yeah yeah that i i i'll be honest i we just talked about how uh that how we were glad Mm. That they had changed, seemed to have jettisoned all of the lore about the Hadozi uh, being quote unquote employed by yeah. elves and just gleefully serving them and not really caring about what's happening and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And <sighs> should we? Yeah, like it's it's mm-hmm. literally what does it say? I'm going to see if I okay. can find the the actual cool. description. Uh, so you find a a ship attacks, yes. uh, which uh, shout out to the ship design, yeah. very cool. However, uh. It's led by three, three astral elf astral elf warriors. Uh, there is a yeah, and plus an astral yes, elf priest, the, and then nine Hadozi yes, ships. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so they're kind of manning the Manganel. Um, uh, according to you, you, you just said Jeremy that they're mercenaries, right? Yes, it says there's a quest. So if, of course, they attack yes. your ship and try and take it over, mm-hmm. I think uh, the Hadozi apparently are not really involved no. in the fight. Uh, they're. Uh, it specifies that they're not great fighters. No, not great fighters. They're manning like the ballista and stuff like that. Not great, and they don't really know what is what is what is going on with the the elves. Like they're just they're kind of oblivious to it. This, this is, is the like, exact okay, quote. Well, it says because after you defeat them, you can question yes. the Hadozis, and it says the Hadozis are mercenaries and have no insight into the astral elves' motives or plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can provide with some information. They don't know there are there are some astral seeds mm-hmm. uh, that are being tra- tra- transported. The Hadozi don't know what they they no. do, but they just they know they're there. And it also they're also willing to serve aboard mm-hmm. your ship if they're treated Which fairly and if your captain mm-hmm. yeah which if your captain survives the battle she puts them to work keeping yeah, them under close supervision that's the exact them. words she puts them she puts the hadozis to work who she keeps them under yes. close supervision so and also the, the sheer fact that these astral elves their intentions are definitely nefarious i mean the fact that they're tra- trying to take over the ship is you know classic pirate hijinks but like also but but the astral elves spoilers are basically the main 
villains of the lives of Axis. Um, they're trying to kind of take over your planet and suck the life out of it so that they can, you know, get power for themselves. Um, so yeah, so basically the Hadozi have no idea what's going on and they're kind of complicit in it. And it's like, well, well why? Why would you, why would you do this? <laughs> Yeah, personally, here's uh, we just we just talked about it on the episode. Uh, my opinion is this: if the Hadozi were a race of teddy bear yes. people, we probably would not be having this conversation. No. Uh, if it was a bunch of teddy bear people who lived on a ship, people would just be like, "Oh, Cute. that's fun." Okay, they're mercenaries. Mercenaries often don't care about no. what they're transporting. They're just hired. Okay, it's here's the issue is the monkeys. Yes. The fact that they are humanoid monkeys. And then when you add to that the history of, in previous editions, them being actively subservient mm-hmm. to elves and fawning Loving over elves, elves while the elves don't see them as no. equals, it starts to get like, no. Ooh, and okay. Yeah, and Jeremy, you said um, that a, a very easy fix for this is just making one of the Hadozi like a lieutenant or the captain, like just like it, making it a joint venture, which I absolutely agree with. And so simple to do. And put a couple, make a couple of the crew members also astral yeah. elves, like swap out a couple of the Hadozi to being in leadership yeah. positions and then have it be just a joint yeah. crew. It's it's super simple. Wizards, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how could... I, I don't understand how how you could read this, how you could like design this 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 part of the of the adventure and not think, um, maybe not, you know, like just. I suspect a black person either never wrote yeah. read this or was if they read it, uh, maybe they were really yeah. sleepy, or when they <laughs> if if they protested, maybe they were kind maybe of ignored. So because yeah, I can't see. I, I I don't know how this got through. Basically, so that is our point. Uh, that we're making here. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Improvements on the Hadozi, but then just a kind of they they took that away by just shoving them into the story into their old roles. So that's that's cool. Uh, uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. Why didn't they have a Hadozi? Even if they're a band of mercenaries, have like a Hadozi mercenary captain, yeah, like who, who's like leading you know them I mean? and is like their kind of like representative and yeah, like and is. Yeah. or something i don't know and then have it be like that guy's like i didn't know they had this and i didn't know they were doing yeah. this and the hodozi are like look we did not know about mm-hmm. this stuff we are willing to just work with you guys because we recognize like like we yeah we're willing to switch sides yeah. on this one <laughs> we goofed we're- up on this one guys. Oh. like we we goofed <laughs> yeah exactly uh, or even like the Hadozis when they see the fight going bad, the captain's like, "Hey, uh, what if we just yeah. leave?" <laughs> like, like the leader is like, "What if like, we just hey, leave? Do you, do you want a bit of we help? We were hired yeah. for this. <laughs> yeah, do you, yeah, yeah. Would you want us? We could just send you the elves as prisoners and give you the cargo, and we Which leave. would be very, very funny. Yeah, no, that that would be really good. But um." But that yeah. wasn't thought through, really. And then I also like the idea of there being like a, um, a Hadozi kind of leader so that they could then, there would be like the whole fun, like, uh, character conflict of like them doing a job and then realizing like what they're actually up to and then being like, oh, oh, damn. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would have been really cool. What they've done in this chapter, not cool. I, I, I don't know. I haven't read the whole adventure. So maybe. Maybe they changed it up a bit. Uh, maybe there was a whole explanation behind yeah. it. I don't know. But uh, but yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry, there's a <laughs> maybe. Look, maybe there's a great Hadozi character maybe. who shows that up would later. Be, that would be lovely. The fully developed, like, uh, like character yeah. development. Yeah, it would be fantastic. Um, sorry, there's a dog attacking me. It's my own. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just jumped ahead to the second. Uh, oh my god, the next yeah. chapter, uh, and you see another ship another? that has a Githyanki captain. Yes. Uh, the, who with a crew of eighteen bandits? Uh, and let me see. Oh no, there. I. Um. Yeah. It says so. There's there's two ships. One ship. Uh, both ships are under the ca- uh, command of a Githyanki buccaneer. Uh, one ship consists of eighteen bandits of various races and alignments. The other ship consists of eighteen Hadosi shipmates. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> again. Wait, really? It does it again. Yeah. No! It does it again. <laughs> But wait, wait! The first mate of another ship that you see is a Hadozi explorer. Okay, yeah, okay. I did see the, the explorer kind of like um, what's it called? Uh, stat blocks, and I was like, okay, interesting. There are like levels that they've given them. Cool. Um, same as yeah. the others. Um, I'm just doing Control F for Hadozi <laughs> at this point in every chapter. <laughs> In every part of this, uh, there aren't a lot of Hadozi in the next mm-hmm. part, so there's that. Uh, let's see if the next one, if the, if the final part yeah. has much of a Hadozi okay. presence. Uh, no, there is not. I think it's just that same, I think it may be just that same Hadozi explorer who shows back Right. Up. Don't love that. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, the the original ones were like the original Hadozi, according to my friend Maddie, she was saying that they were they were based on like sugar gliders. That was apparently written somewhere. Um it, they, yeah, they were inspired specifically by uh I let me see if I can find it in my mm. research. There was an actual monster from a different game that they were okay. based on that wasn't even originally D before they got sort of brought into mm-hmm. D uh listeners i'm gonna say this again to live but uh the hadozi are based on the yazirian race which are from star frontiers okay so they just stole them yeah <laughs> uh yeah they basically were like all right yeah let's cool. do those uh that's that's where they are based mm-hmm. on originally although here's the thing tsr at the time which published D also published star frontiers okay. so okay. it was like in-house okay. that's stealing it's kinda, a little yeah, different kind of yeah yeah um yeah yeah so that's uh yeah just uh, just make them big squirrels like make them big sugar glider guys um yeah yeah that'll be good um yeah it's it's sad <laughs> i was i was so like yay they mostly fixed it mm. now i'm like nah. well at least they fixed it in the lore if not in the depiction which is uh, that doesn't so make it okay as a heads up. <laughs> but uh, at, at yeah wizards. but um but yeah no uh yeah. yeah heads up it feels like a one step forward one step yeah. back uh, the nice thing is, again, because it's not in the lore, you can just never play Light of Xerixis. Yeah. You just yeah, never play I it. mean... And you never have to so, deal with that. So, uh, with Light of Zer- uh, Xerixis, Xerxis, whatever it's called, um, I the first two chapters, underwhelming for me, personally. Um, <laughs> I, the first chapter consists of the the vines kind of, like, flying up into the sky, and then you run... It, it like uh, railroads you to go to the docks to go to the boat that's there. If you don't go that that way, then you have to uh, you're airlifted out by the boat. Um, 
and there's mm. a battle for the boat and that's really the first chapter that's it which is one of the shortest chapters i've seen in an, in an adventure book, book so far um and then the second one is is yeah the common the the astral elves try to get your ship and that's pretty much it. Um, so I need to read the whole adventure before I can properly give comment. But so far, no, not great, not a big fan. Yeah. So th- this is going to be one of the situations I think where the fans are going to make the the thing good. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, would you say it's fair to then uh, just suggest, hey? Look, maybe maybe focus on the Astral Adventurer's Guide and Boo's Astral, Astral Menagerie. Yeah. If you don't have to buy all three together, yeah. maybe just give Light of Xerixis yeah, a pass. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or if you do buy it, be aware there's some stuff in there that you might want to yeah, change. Yeah, definitely. That you probably yeah. should change. Yeah. That you could probably improve the whole thing Big just time. by changing. Big time. <laughs> in uh, my next playthrough, I'm going to make the uh, the Hodosi the captains, and then the Astral Elves are going to be running around going... <laughs> Not <laughs> <laughs> the ship. And the Dozy yeah, keep like, yelling at them because they can't climb as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're sorry. <laughs> Ooh. Um, in the uh, actually, I like the idea that in a Hadozi society, everything is built so that you're able to climb it. Yeah. And so people who can't climb with like big hands and big feet are have to like give, they have to like wear magical prosthetics. Oh. Like they have to wear prosthetic toes and, and th- like foot thumbs, <laughs> thumbs so they can effectively <laughs> climb things. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> you see all these magic you see all these astral elves running around with like these cool prosthetic monkey mm-hmm. feet uh just so that they can effectively <laughs> function in that's Hidozi the life society. of Zaraxis i want them in the world okay uh, <laughs> that's what i'm gonna make <laughs> um but yeah. yeah so that was that was uh, the little addendum uh on the end of your episode um i'm gonna i'm gonna leave goodbye everyone i came back for this <laughs> and now i'm leaving again but goodbye <laughs> Oh no, live now to wild space. (laughs) So long, (laughs) Jerry. That was a headgum podcast.